Today is Sunday, March 26th, 2017. This is Celtic Speed on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. By the way, in other news around the NBA on Friday night, the Boston Celtics cruised their sixth win in their last seven, and most importantly, improved to 21 games over 500. High watermark of the Brad Stevens era. Devin Booker's 70 points. Were they just a footnote as the Celts continue their improbable chase and trying to usurp the world champion Cleveland Cavaliers for the Eastern Conference first overall seed? Ask our guests a whole lot more. The Globe's Bob Ryan, coming up on episode number 202 of the number one podcast on iTunes, dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. Let me just say that um, the night Wilt got 100, there were shenanigans. Uh, there, were, there were delays. They were trying to get him to 100. Uh, it, it, these things, most of the time, uh, have a, uh, some kind of a gimmick attached to it. Uh, I don't know about Kobe's. Uh, I had never heard that there was. Maybe that's an exception. But uh, most of the time, these things have some kind of gimmick. Uh, the, the, the ball kid that got the 92, he was standing at midcourt and not going to play defense at times. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, it, so there was a gimmicky aspect to it, but you don't want to detract from it. It's a phenomenal performance by a player that I, I have been targeted. I targeted him right away. I loved that kid at college. So anyway, um, the, the Ricky Davis thing was, was, it, it, it was annoying, obviously. It was stupid, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the way that, that came down, uh, going for his own rebound and all that, uh, missing on purpose to get an offensive rebound. Is, but, uh, but these things, I had a day that... Uh, Kevin McHale had the 56 against the Pistons. Larry was feeding him relentlessly. Uh, they didn't have to feed Kevin. Uh, they were winning with the. It's just, they weren't. They did. And that he was Kevin. ripped. He didn't go for more. He told I Larry. I read you know, that Larry, in your book too. Yes, and Larry uh, has also uh, repeated that in uh, a, a podcast I just recently did with Larry. Uh, we, we got into that, and Larry uh, reiterated that he wanted Kevin to get 60, and um, uh, in part because it was against Kent Benson, who uh, Larry had a, a score to settle with. But um, so. Uh, but the, the Celtics, hey, relax. Yes, there was a gimmicky nature to it, um, but the Suns, the Suns have become a, um, a traveling circus now. I mean, it's starting five kids who, who uh, barely uh, shave, and uh, uh, you know their 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 aim is clear, and and um, so uh, you know the Celtics still have a thing in their you know about the Suns because they they had that ridiculous experience out in Phoenix when they handed a game away to the Suns and and uh, you know and then now they're taking it out on the Suns. No, you take it out on yourself. There were actually you mentioned that there were shenanigans in every single one of these. Uh, you know, big there's shenanigans in Wilt's 100 or shenanigans in Kobe's 80. Or I mean, there are dare you say it? There were actually some. I don't know what to call it shenanigans in Bird's 60 because the Celtics were winning that game all the way along. But they sort yeah, of yeah, that's right. There are plenty that's of parallels in Friday night ga- Friday's the, the four point play that didn't count. That, that that was the same thing with Larry. That was a highlight. That actually, yeah, that basket never counted. But there were you know there were shenanigans in that Bird's. That's 60. right. And I do believe that uh, remember that that day that last day when the scoring race was settled between David Robinson and and Gervin. Or, or Thompson, David you know, Thompson, or, 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 the seventy. I was going to ask you David about Thompson. that. Seventy-one. You know, you can you can bet that that had some a little poop attached to it. You know, uh, so these things happen. That's why you know what I was thinking about this, um, in, in the shower uh, about the this magnifies the glory of what Matt, uh, what Michael Jordan did on the April twentieth, nineteen eighty six, 
because those 63 points against the Celtics were as ungimmicky as you could ever be, and they were completely out of the flow. They were, were beyond legitimate, and that's the way to do it, of course. And, and uh, uh, so, you know, there you go. Well, the one thing about that game was the team that Jordan played and scored the 63 against, there was a terrible team. Yeah, that, that Celtics team, you know, with those underachieving guys, you know, God, we, 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 we suffered with them all year. You know, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Here with Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe, author of Scribe My Life in Sports, and many of books, and of course the latest endeavor, which you alluded to. I have to give you the floor on this before I forget, and I'd be, I would kill myself if I forgot. So you got to take this away from me. Please plug the latest endeavor, Mr. Ryan. Uh, I have entered into the podcast world. I've done three of them. First one was with uh, Bob Lobel. Uh, the second one was with Bob Cousy. Uh, and the third one was with uh, Larry Bird, and uh, I'm quite proud of, uh, of them. Frankly, I think uh, they, they, had, they have been well received. I would highly urge, uh, recommend anybody go check out, the, the, check them out. And, and if you're if you're a Celtics fan, obviously you want to hear from Bird. And, and um, we tried to draw him out on a variety of topics, both the, that are relevant today, such as resting uh, and uh, three, uh, triple doubles and three point shooting, and as well as a little you know stroll down memory lane. But uh, there's uh, quite a bit of meet in there i think we did about an hour and uh, uh I'm, I'm 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 pleased with it so uh, yeah it's uh, it's called the bob ryan boston podcast so there's my commercial we need a little spoiler on larry bird's opinion on wrestling because that is the hot topic yeah. du jour in the end well very simple i can sum it up he wasn't for in, fan my of it, day, I know. <laughs> in my day it was not even a thought we couldn't even he said as a matter of fact he said i like i always took back the backs as a challenge quote unquote and uh, it, it's just an alien concept. It was, it was just not a thought that, that it didn't matter. You played. The schedule was there. You played. That was it. Unless you couldn't play. And now as Larry's career progressed and he was, uh, had the back injury and the elbow injury and the heels injury and all, uh, the, the last six years of his career, uh, Larry was happy every single night. He could, he could get out there. He was far from thinking about resting. He just wanted to get out there. He was just happy to be able to play in yet one more game. And so, uh, yeah, he, he just, uh, but he said, I understand what's going on, but I'm just saying that you know, this is something that we never even had, never, never entered our minds. Real quick, I do want to touch upon this briefly. Before we talk about the uh, team at hand, the Celtics, they're playing okay. Uh, they're actually playing very, very well. Um, where do you sort of come down on the, your personal Mr. Ryan's opinion on wrestling players in the NBA? I have a small conspiracy theory in that a lot of the, you know, they're all, you know, the Cavs, the Warriors, and the Spurs wrestling players, I think, deliberately on national TV to quote unquote send a message that there's less back to backs in the future. But, I mean, where do you, your personal opinion on Well, on November 1, there's nothing that can be done about it now. The time to, they'll have to address it in the offseason uh, and, and see about uh, how, what, what they're going to do. I don't know. I, I, you can't tell coaches how to run your team, and people are going to lie. What's going to happen, Larry, is that people, as they lie and, and, and fudge with injured lists in every sport, uh, they are going to lie and fudge, and they're going to, uh, no matter what they're told, they're going to hold guys out. Oh, his back acted up. You can always follow that. He has a stomach flu. Yeah, he has a flu. Uh, we, don't, we don't want him spreading a disease. We used to kid about uh, the Hellenic flu when the Celtics practiced over in Brookline. About uh, we laughed about some guys weren't you know weren't playing because they had the Hellenic flu, and uh, you know so they're, they're going to lie. You, you, I don't see how it can be governed. I don't. Yeah, such regulations could you know lead to. I referenced if you hear something, 
Remember the infamous baseball all-star game that ended at a tie, and it was, oh my God, what do we do? We have to do something. I don't know what to do, but we should do something. And then it, of course, ends up with a brilliant idea of, oh, let's have the all-star game decide home field advantage in the World Series. That'll get the players to play hard. And it's like 15 years yeah. later, that's the stupidest gimmicky thing we've ever decided. Of course, that creates over-regulations. Um, but yeah, anyways, Mr. Ryan, let's talk about what's truly relevant here at Ham. Devin Booker, 70 points, of course, right? That's it. We'll remember that like we'll remember Mike Cameron's four home runs. I don't think, maybe. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, if you were there, among, look, this is why you never know. You know my favorite, talk about athletic and, uh, and regular season games. You never know when something interesting is going to happen. Obviously, you never know. Who knew the night uh, in September, not nine years ago, ten years ago, that, that uh, a pitcher making a second start for the Red Sox was going to throw a no-hitter? Uh, who knew that? Uh, you don't know that. You, don't, you didn't know that that day that Mike Cameron was going to hit four home runs. You didn't know that. You didn't know that Devin Booker, I mean, if he had four you would have been impressed. 50, you would have been impressed. 70, wow, you know, a magic number that seldom reached in NBA history. Um, you, you never know. It's a, it was a nice night to be there if you're a Celtic fan. You got the win, and you got to see the guy get the 70. That's the, that's the good uh, double, daily double that you always want. There's, uh, uh, you know, as long as your team wins, and you don't care what the frozen player does, and, and if he does something historic. Uh, you know, you never know, for example, the night, in, uh, Labor Day night, 19, 2001, that uh, uh, Mike Messina was going to come in. It's going to come within one out of roof, going and then and that you had the the worst mixed feeling possible. Who wanted to root for Carl Everett? Certainly not Red Sox fans. And uh, and uh, Carl Everett's the guy that spoiled it, you know. So uh, you know you never know about these things. So now uh, that, that's why you pay money and you see what happens. So and um, you never knew Jordan yeah. after the '63 would become Michael Jordan. Maybe the Devin Booker 70 point game is maybe he's uh, maybe we're start we're going to be making cracks 10 years from now that. The only man who could hold Devin Booker under 20 points was John Calipari. Well, let's let's go back to Devin Booker. I find it interesting. I loved him in college. I thought he was underdrafted. I thought that Cal should have played him more. I thought that maybe if he played him he was on a loaded team and in the championship game they would have they would have won uh, in the semifinal game. They would have won. Uh, I, I, you know, I, uh, I know that uh, they. I mean, that kid to me was obviously really something special, and uh, I think he's going to be. Uh, obviously, he's going to be a terrific player. So that this the seventy is a is a, 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 a number that's hard to wrap your head around. You associate that with the Will Chamberlains and the and and the Michael Jordans of the world and, and all that. But uh, MJ in, in never case, scored not, seventy, right? Sixty nine, uh, Cleveland. MJ, no, 69 yeah, right. against Cleveland. Pete Maravich had 68. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Will, Will had you know the most 70s, obviously. But but uh, but you know, that's a, that's an amazing number. I mean, but uh, uh, this kid's for real. This is uh, there's no gimmicky thing here. He's for real. He's going to be an NBA staple. He's going to be a star. He's going to be a Olympian. He's going to be all those things. And and uh, I I don't I. I'm not. Look, I, I, can I prove it to you this morning? No, I can't. I cannot prove it to you. But I'm telling you that I sang that kid's praises two years ago. I thought he was really, really good, and I'm, I'm not stunned that he's turned out to be this good. I'll round up anyone who doesn't take you at your word, though. So don't worry. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you when I'm wrong, and, and uh, but I was right about this one. Ten minutes into the show, we've yet to talk about the hometown team. Twenty-one games over 500. Whose fault is that? Well, there's a lot to talk about, but I'm happy with the team. I think it's. I think the team is exactly the. Oh, this is the Dennis Green thing. They are who we thought they were. They're they're exactly as good, no better, no worse than we thought they could be. I thought they were going to win 52 or 53 games somewhere in there, and we're going to have the number two seed. Right and, again. Uh, now, 
and now it turns out they have a chance for the number one seed. Uh, they're, yeah. So I mean, um, it's all it's a matter of health. That's why I'm, I'm you know let's get right to it. I'm I totally mean this. I'd rather have seven road games and be healthy than in the playoffs than than seven home games and and not be healthy. So I I, I want health and um, they've finished. They, yeah, there's, we know all the reasons why you want the top seed. Who you can avoid on the way up. You got game seven at home. Blah blah blah. I'm sorry, I still want health above anything else. Give me a healthy team, and I'll take my chances. I would say that's kind of a safe thing to say, considering, I mean, pretty much predominantly, and you're going to sing this more so than anyone, because this season, I think, solely comes down to just winning that first-round playoff series. They win the playoff series. doesn't matter if they win 55. doesn't matter if they win 49. It's all about winning that first-round playoff series, right? Uh, they have to do that because otherwise this whole thing that will feel like a letdown. And uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a tremendously crushing disappointment in the season. Uh, uh, the good things are going to be quickly forgotten and put, shoved aside. And it's going to be four years in, he, you know who he is, hasn't won a playoff series. Uh, the, the, uh, Brad Stevens needs this. There's no question. Now, uh, once that, and then because the pressure will accelerate them because let's say it's it's an easy one, and then said so they did have the first seed, and they do have a relatively easy second round opponent. Uh, you know, so, so they're, they're, you know, the, then the, the uh, pressure will be ratcheted up. But they got to win a, a series this year. That is the minimum standard, and and uh, and that I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Yeah, and even no matter what, oh, of course, I think we'll slightly forgive them if they can somehow find a way to get in the lottery. Of course, I know that's a topic that we're certainly going to get to because I know you, as you referenced, your eyes are certainly on college basketball. And I know you're, as we've discussed privately, our favorite, uh, Mr. Josh Jackson. We'll get to him. But anyways, uh, yeah, what in God's name do I even talk about with what's going on on the floor? I mean, because my opinions seem to be fluid pretty much with the Celtics team. I mean, only fluid is because... Feels like I'm critiquing almost everything. Marcus Smart can do all the you know these great things one night, then go one for a gazillion against Phoenix as he did on Friday, and he's actually been shooting the ball just horribly since the All Star break. But I actually want to talk about Horford only because everybody else seems to be talking about Horford. I have no idea why everyone else seems to be talking about Horford. It isn't like because he's uh, making twenty six million dollars or anything, and that's a very uh, my oh, of course, that's exactly why. But I know you're a fan. I'm a fan. The, the old staple question, is Al Horford worth $26 million? And it's, oh, jeez, I don't know. No, he's worth $24.5 million. Is that a huge issue? Or if we're going to throw away bizarre, random, late 90s Red Sox references, I brought this up with Chris Forsberg last week. This isn't Jose Offerman or anything. And, in fact, he's actually playing, I don't know, if, you know how much you've been watching, but, I mean, he's playing really, really well. The Celtics are involving him. They didn't do it against Phoenix, but they did it earlier in the week against um, – uh, Indiana, the Washington game, Philadelphia game for the first three quarters, that debacle of a loss. I'm not sure you cut that because it happened during the NCAA tournament. But, you know, Al Horford was just chewing it up for three quarters. They took him out. Um, Philly got back in the game. He comes back in. Then they stopped feeding him or he stopped getting the ball down low. But, but what do you think about that? He's been a lo- involved a lot more, you know, in the blocks more so, and that was something he was struggling with. What do you think of the Celtics deliberately getting him now involved a lot more offensively? Well, I certainly think it's, a, it's to their benefit because the man can't pass the ball. He sees the floor. He presses the ball well, whether he's facing the basket or goes back to the basket. Uh, he keeps the offense going. He's done, uh, you know, he, he knows how to, he can make contributions without having box score uh, numbers, but he's having box score numbers uh, that get your attention a lot more recently. Uh, you know, this average fan just didn't get it. Like, as far as what the money's concerned, it's the going rate. So just suck it up. It's not your money. Don't worry about it. Uh, if, he, if the Red Sox had, excuse me, if the Celtics hadn't given it to him, someone else would have. So uh, that's that's the going rate, and and uh, uh, they would not 
be sitting at 47 and 26 without Al Horford. All right, they wouldn't ever be there with a lot of people, but I'm saying he needed that. Um, and I think I'm looking forward to his playoff contribution. I, I think he's going to be, the more important the games are, I think the more you're going to be appreciating uh, having Al Horford on the side. Straight up question. Do you like him more on the perimeter, facing up, trying to pass over defenses or better in the blocks? Or, of course, is it fluid? Is it a matchup thing? You know, but if he gets it. Yeah. I, 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 what I liked about him, and one reason I was happy to get him, is the versatility. I, I like to see. I like low post play. I like inside out still, and and he can he can give you that. Uh, the ratio. I don't know what the ratio of, uh, would be this year, but uh, two to one, three to one perimeter versus post, maybe more. I don't know. But, but the thing about him, he can give you what you need. He's adaptable. I mean, he's not a one-trick pony. That's, that's the great beauty, ultimately, of him. He, he can help you in so many ways, and he can help you offensively uh, as a part of a perimeter, uh, as a perimeter player. He can help you offensively as a post player. Uh, th- those kind of guys are in short supply in this day and age. Usually it's one or the other, and, uh, and very few of the post players at all. So um, they've got a guy that can give you that. But um, So it's, it's going to be, I think it changes nightly, and, and, and changes as the game progresses. So uh, that's his great beauty, versatility. I know it's a very anecdotal observation that I seem to have, but the Celtics actually seemingly getting him more involved offensively, particularly down in the low block, where he was not very effective throughout much of the season, and I've documented it here up until recently, really these past four or five games or so. They're act- he just seems to be there. Seems to be a little more of a bounce in his sit- in his mm-hmm. step on the defensive end. If you just you know getting getting him involved a lot more. But I it's you know it's funny you talk about how you know you just have your traditionalist. You enjoy the inside out game, big guy down low in the blocks. Isn't it interesting the because you're I know you're gonna love this, but the perception <laughs> change and the language we use ten some years later about big guys on the perimeter. You know it used to be. How about your old your your main man your old your old friend Nelly, that he had finesse teams. Now it's they're versatile. There's floor space, and you know when Don Nelson was playing, uh, I don't want to go back to the Milwaukee days, which you remember well, but I'll go with him in Dallas when he was playing Walt Williams at center. It was oh geez, you know that's a complete fraud of a team. That's a finesse team. It's almost like he was. Uh, 30 years ahead of his time in, in that. You know, Nelly was, was very that, innovative yeah. and fearless, and he didn't, uh, absolutely. Nelly, uh, uh, you know, he took Manute Ball and made him a three-point shooter. You know, we all, uh, he, uh, uh, he, he, right, he's totally that. He had that run DMC team in, in, in uh, uh, Oakland and, and at Golden State. So uh, always Nelly was never uh, shy about, uh, never worried about uh, aesthetics. He did whatever he thought he had, his personnel. That's what I liked about him, I mean, among many things. But um, he didn't have us system. Uh, he had uh, whatever the roster was. He tried to adapt uh, the players. Uh, you know, to you know, not not the. He wasn't ever into a square peg in a round hole kind of thing. We never had to worry about that with Nelly. Yes, he was ahead of his time in, in, in this regard. And uh, uh, I'm sure he's sitting there in Maui some nights uh, uh, looking at the TV and, and saying, yeah, I did that. Yeah, big deal. <laughs> you know. Jim O'Brien using Rodney Rogers at center on your your favorite Celtics team, the Bombs Away squad, pulling out Matumbo. <laughs> Pulling out Matumbo. Does this team beat the O2 Celtics? I don't know. Uh, I don't know why I asked that question. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know they they really played well um, right through the game. What the, the the comeback game against the Nets, and then, and then, it, it then the, they, they they lost that next game. It was uh, heartbreaking. Uh, uh, I can still see. Uh, Harris uh, missing the free throw. Oh uh, God, you don't even talk about it. But anyway, uh, uh, I think. 
very possible. It'd be a good series. I, I, uh, it'd be a real good series. And uh, I, I don't know. Uh, that, that'd be good. But uh, uh, that team, that they overachieved, though, and uh, I think definitely. And, and, and Jim O'Brien will never be remembered for the service he provided this team after, after Rick bolted. Uh, he provided stability for quite a while there. And uh, um, I just hope that somebody remembers that someday. Oh, come on. I remember it. It was in my book. That no, I, I mean, you know, I mean fans, you know, people don't even remember he even coached here. You know, he wasn't. A, he was. A, he was the ultimate uh, button-down guy. You know that he was a. The, he was a serious guy. No, not, no nonsense with Jim O'Brien, but uh, uh, but he was a solid guy. Brief break in the action to announce our ongoing contest on how to win tickets to the Celtics' final regular season matchup against the Cleveland Cavaliers on April 5th. This game could very well decide which team gets home court advantage throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs, so suffice it to say, it is a big one, and we here at Celtics Beat are giving away two tickets to see the Celts take on LeBron and the world champion Cavs. Here's how to enter. Write a review for Celtics Beat on iTunes, and you are in the contest. Subscribe, rate, and write a review. Your name shows up you're in the drawing which we will announce here in two weeks again subscribe rate and write a review for celtic speed on itunes best of luck to those who enter and thank you so much to those who do Episode number 202 of Celtics Beat with Bob Ryan is being presented today by SeatGeek. As the Celtics playoff push heats up in their chase for that number one seed, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way i found a shop for tickets. And if you want to get in on the action with the potential playoff previews, this week with Miami tonight at the Garden or Milwaukee here on Wednesday. There is no better place to get the best deals on tickets to Celtics games both home and away than the mobile ticketing app. And remember that it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. And best of all, Celtics Beat listeners can support this production and get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To do so, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter promo code CELTICSBEAT. All one word, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code CELTICSBEAT today. I know, I know that wasn't your favorite team, though, and I know that I know you enjoy this team a lot more. So that, of course, you know, oh, I do. But I mean, you know that. But that team, I have to give them their due, and, and that comeback against the Nets is one of the great moments and you know, one of the great episodes in Celtic history. That fourth quarter comeback down twenty. Um, you know, I think about it every now and then. I think about it sometimes because Rodney Rogers was part of it, and, and you know, we know the tragedy that that happened yeah, to sell him. Sad story. And. Uh, uh, so, you know, that, that, I, I, I'd root for this team against that team. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> 73 team is your favorite. That we know from your your book, Scribe My Life. From 73 Sports. and 80, 85, 86 is still the best, you know. And, and But 72, 73, absolutely. Uh, you talk about running, you're talking about that team. Fill out the top five then. So that's one, two. What's three, four, five? Ah, uh, well, I'm, I'm not prepared in my head to, to do this right now. I'm really not. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, certainly uh, you have to go with uh, – uh, well, one of the Russell teams, you know, I mean, obviously they, they, they had so many of those. And 64, 65, uh, uh, I think 61, 62, was that the year they had the eight Hall of Famers? Uh, you know, but it was a different world then. I mean, the size 
everything was different. Uh, everything was different then. There's no, no question about it. But but uh, uh, the one thing we can always agree on: 85, 86. Uh, that was the pinnacle. That's the best basketball that we that I've ever seen uh, by anybody. And uh, I put that team up against any team at any time. And uh, and I still say that they're the best team of all time for a very simple reason: that um, no other team brought a healthy Bill Walton off the bench. And, and there have been six men of all stripes, but only one like Bill Walton. No one changed the game the way Bill Walton did. And you put Bill Walton on the floor with Larry Bird, something that uh, has there's never been anything uh, to match that ever. So uh, that's 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 the one thing that I'm not going to budge. That's the best team. Got to go back to your podcast because I I, I assume I, I confess I have yet to listen. I got to get around to it tomorrow. Start of the work week on Monday. I know how fond Larry was of being able to play with Bill. Was that touched upon on the show? No, you know that's one of the great regrets I had. Just the thing about Larry Bird. Uh, uh, rookie we, mistake, we, Bob. No, we talked. Well, there's too many things. We talked just so much with him that I wanted to touch upon, and I meant to get. I didn't get around to Bill. He made one oblique reference to Bill, a kidding reference to Bill, and uh, about you know, uh, um, and, and which was, of course, in the game six against the uh, Rockets in '86. Walton comes in the game and turns it over either two or three times in a row in the first period, and uh, the, you know the, the, the game was a game for a while until Larry took control of the game. But, but that's the only reference to Bill that came up, and there were other you know lots of stuff left unsaid, which always means Larry that there will be someday a part two or maybe part three because there was so much undone with you know larry you could talk about the player the coach the the executive uh you know but obviously uh there's only so much you can do in an hour and uh, and um uh, but i tried to touch as many bases as possible but i did i did leave the the bases i did leave the bases loaded i will admit of course though that's where you can also just play you know you can you know they can get to send the sacrifice fly and then say, oh, well, you know, anything I missed, just go check out Drive, which I you know, wrote 25 years ago. But I do know that you were pressed for time a little bit, Mr. Ryan, so I do have to get two opinions on your two favorite players on the team. I don't know who should we start with, Marcus Smart, Kelly Olenek, the ultimate, uh, I mean, the dichotomy between those two are, are just, in my eyes, just, I mean, incredible. I mean, both are net pluses for the Celtics, yet I, I feel like they should be better. I mean, it's just... I don't know. Where do you want to start? I mean, I, I know you. Okay, miss- I'll start with. Uh, they are they are interesting contrasts. Marcus Smart's all about energy, all about uh, grit and passion and, and aggressiveness, and and uh, I call him a junkyard dog player. He ain't pretty. Uh, uh, he's going to have. And when the shot goes in, he's a terrific asset. He's a scary asset. He's always going to get after you. You're always going to have that defense. You're always going to have the hustle play. He's going to make. It's uh, going to make uh, those kind of plays, and that uh, a lot of guys aren't going to make. Kelly Olynyk is a is a finesse guy. He's a, a glider. Uh, he's a seven foot glider who can shoot from the outside he's the he's a uh, in the mold of the uh the, you know, the much discussed and much desired stretch four he's a four and a half he doesn't you never seldom see him ever put his back to the basket he can pass the ball i still think that the, the, his ability to pass has not been sufficiently exploited i won't say it's never exploited but he can really pass the ball and i i, I hope that they can that the brad and the staff can keep working on figuring out how they're going to implement him into the offense to take advantage of his passing but he's an asset and and when he's got the shot going uh, I mean, he's had a lot of games in the second half of the year where I think he, I won't say he was the difference, but he was really a, an uh, integral uh, part of the game uh, on the plus side. They're very different, and at this point, I think we can safe to say he's not changing. He is. He wanted to be a little more assertive. He is more assertive getting his shot. He's never going to be a bull on the backboards, okay? But he's, he's just going to get area rebounds. He's not going to get rebounds that don't belong to him that great rebounders get. It's just not going to happen. Um, so he's, he's that's it. You got him. He's part of the whole. I think he can be a. He is a rotation player on a very on a nice team, and he could be a rotation player on a, on a championship team. As can Smart. And I, I like, you know, having them both around is fun. 
Yeah, but I don't think the ceiling is quite settled on Smart. I mean, I still hold out a little hope with that shot developing, which I think for him is very, yeah. very important, only because it's it's interesting. He's so fast. He has great straightaway speed. I mean, he has he has a lot of speed, but he has just zero explosiveness. He just really can't seem to shake any defender in terms of getting to the basket. He can finish because of his strength, and I know the big thing this week that's been put out by the many people on the beat, uh, like Chris Forsberg and, and our own Jared Weiss has talked about, you know, Marcus Smart posting up at something like the sixth most efficient play in the NBA. Uh, since the All-Star break, which I actually have to say something to that. I, I wonder if even going forward, uh, if teams now start to be putting, you know, put bigger players on smart, because if they see the fact that he just isn't just explosive enough, mm-hmm. I mean, it, you saw the post-up play. In fact, if you, I don't, did you catch the Washington game where, you know, he pretty no, much I made, didn't. He, he made the, the oh, he made a, so Washington cut it to six with like a minute 50 to go. I mean, this Celtics were still going to win that game, but I mean, it was up in the air and he made, the three clinching plays of the game. They fed him right down in the block against uh, Bogdanovic, and he just bulls right to him, puts him up back yeah. eight. Then he makes the game, you know, then he makes the steal on the other end, and then he makes both, you know, the game clinching free throws. That brings it up to 10. It's amazing how, like, bizarrely clutch he is. I mean, he, I mean, just, yeah, he's an intriguing player. I mean, it's, you, you talk about an unpredictable uh, X factor. I think that's a safe thing to say. He's a nightly X factor. And, and well, when the shot goes in, boy, then you've got a, you've got a terrific player. But we know that we, everyone would like to see him more reliable on offense. And, and uh, I don't know if that, I don't know that it's going to happen. We may have this is, if this is what we have. All right, there's something. It's, it's still an asset. But uh, you do, you so often want more out of people. And if at some point you have to realize they are what they are, and it's, got, it's not going to, it's just not going to change and and um you know, that's this is but this is who they got this is what they got this is part of the mix i'll tell you we haven't talked about this but the one thing i like about this team you got smart you got brown now and you've got bradley three guys who can get after you and boy there are times when they can really clamp on some good d and and uh, and that's why i have some you know reasonable hopes for the playoffs because obviously that's going to be a factor and then you had josh jackson in the mix that's almost too much right? well josh jackson yeah that uh we both agree that uh your your pulse starts uh, quickening when you think about if you could ever add a, that kid to the mix i think uh that there's a scoring dude right there and, uh, and an athletic kid that would really enhance the whole the whole program and uh, there's, there's a lot of interesting players out there but uh um, yeah i, I I would make the Google for me the biggest pair of Google eyes. I'm making it uh, Josh Jackson. Give me a real before I get you out of here. Give me a real quick. I love asking you to rank something. No one better is better than you because I know you've had the all eyes on college basketball. I mean, me and you've been going back on Josh Jackson all year, particularly what he does defensively. I mean, we talk about Marcus Smart's defense. Josh Jackson's defense looks. I mean, God, I'm going to get killed for saying this. It sounds like such a hot take, but it's like very. Pippen like in that his I mean just the being able to keep someone in front of him and the long arms but just I mean the, just seeing him get his hands on so many balls in the passing lane it seems like a t- six times a game he's deflecting the ball in the passing lane covering four positions it's incredible so real quick to get you out of here give me like a, a Bob Ryan from what you're wa- watching in the tournament thus far give me the give me the Bob Ryan big board for the Celtics top five these I don't players. know you know first of all the the, the, the guards you, you don't need – that's not the need. Uh, and you're, you're looking at Ball and Fultz, and I wish I had seen more of Markel Fultz. I haven't. I don't have a feel for him. I'm sorry, so I can't even – Oh, join the I, know, I haven't seen I don't have all. a feel for him. Uh, but uh, you saw De'Aaron Fox and uh, <laughs> go off. Uh, he's awful enticing, but that's not what they need. You know, I, that's why I keep going. Yeah, I, I, on the board – and for rating him, Ball is very possibly number one. Fultz, Fultz uh, I think uh, – Jackson, 
uh, uh, Fox, uh, there's four right there. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I think that I would guess this, Larry. I think that there'll be a, a lot of di interesting divergence of opinion as to where the teams would rank these guys. I think that there would be a lot of uh, people who love Fultz and a lot of people who love Ball and a lot of people who love Jackson, a lot of people who love Fox, uh, Monk uh, of Kentucky for the shooting. Uh, uh, so. Uh, or I, I like you know UCLA not to be number one, but I mean I wouldn't mind having on my team T.J. Leaf. I like that kid a lot. Uh, um, so there's it's it's an interesting year. But uh, the ball you know ball's going to be a real interesting story. Um, you know he was he, he didn't have the best game uh, last night uh, when they lost to uh, uh, Kentucky. Uh, people were suggesting that he was exposed to some degree. I think you have to be careful with that. Um, but uh, uh, you know maybe there was something that people learned about him last night. I don't know. Bob Ryan, sports columnist, emeritus for the Boston Globe, author of Scribe, My Life in Sports. Get it at all the usuals, local bookstores, Amazon.com. Of course, Audible, audible.com, slash try now for free audiobooks. So get Mr. Ryan Scribe. And, of course, all the many books on Larry Bird if you miss anything. And, of course, Bob Ryan's podcast. We are actually obligated to one thing by our sponsors here, Bob, and that is a pregame show. There is a game tonight against Miami, 6 o'clock tip. Uh, so I guess outside of the yeah. Celtics, uh, you know, needing to score a little more points than uh, a Miami team that has played incredibly well since oh. the last time the Celtics saw what? them when they haven't been competitive. Yeah, go ahead. Just take the floor on that. It's one of the strangest stories I've ever seen in all the years I covered the NBA and watched the NBA, a team that was as down and out as they were to get, to get as hot as Miami got and, is, and still is playing very well. Uh, it, it's just a complete turnaround. Um, it, it's amazing. So I think with the, I'm going to give lots of props here to uh, Eric Spolstra, and I think people finally give the guys due uh, as a, as a, a, a really good coach. And I, uh, you know, they, we know they had certain components, white side and so forth. So anyway, um, yeah, Miami suddenly. Not suddenly. This has been going on for two months. Miami has become a team that uh, you got to worry preview. about. Playoff preview, it's, yeah. and you, you, you didn't reference, right. and it's so bizarre. We talk about Gunners and Todd, and here's the name, a Todd Day types. So I don't think there's anyone who resembles uh -huh. Todd Day more uh, in this generation than Deion Waiters, and all of a sudden Deion Waiters well, is uh, carving out his own little name for himself. Is, I mean, yeah, I, I actually know, have to Deion see Waiters. this. I have I not seen back. this. Yeah. Um, when, when he was at Syracuse, Jim Beheim said to me, and maybe not, I, I don't remember as a group or, or just to me, but I, I'm not sure, but I think it was to me that Waiters is the best offensive guard he's ever had. And, and I went to myself, whoa, you know? And, uh, and, and I'm sure Waiters agrees to that. And one thing about this kid, this, guy, this guy's got boundless confidence, but he's dangerous. And, uh, and yeah, they're, they're, so it's a team. You've got to reckon with them. Yeah, Miami. Six out of seven for the Celts now to put them at 21 games over 500. High watermark, as I, I said in the intro, not just the Stevens era. But you got to go back to when Shaquille O'Neal was on the Celtics to win that the, they were this far over 500. Yeah, not even that Eastern Conference Finals team in 12 was 20-plus games over 500. Remember, that was a, a struggle and a half that year. Anyways, um, it goes without saying uh, that we still expect uh, Boston to improve upon that, even with a tough Miami team here tonight, which I think the Celts match up pretty well with. But even so, after tonight, a few days off before Milwaukee at home, then Orlando, who I actually, I'm going to put that one in the bank. I can't for the life of me remember when they played a Orlando, that is, when they played a competitive game against the Celts in Boston, let alone one. But, uh, 
Yeah, three in a row for the Celtics, six to seven. Not normal for the Celts to generally streak under Brad Stevens, both uh, in either direction. You know, I actually have to give them credit for how good they are at responding. And after the Washington game, they are 18 and eight after losses, which is fifth in the NBA behind just Houston, Golden State, uh, San Antonio, and the Cavs. So that's pretty good company there. But uh, just actually how they rebound. But in that, they rebound and, and rebounds. I don't know. I'm sort of Okay. Here's what I mean by that. By that all right. Just go back to the Philly game on last Sunday, last time we were here, uh, when Chris Forsberg was here, and he predicted it on the way out. And I think many of us did in that. That was just a prime, prime trap game. Of course, you know, it was just a lot harder to take in that the Celts were seemingly, you know, well in control of that one without Horford dominating through the first three quarters. And they were up 13 when they took him out. And then he could never reassert themselves. And, and Philly was just scoring at well on the other end. And I don't want to get into that debacle at the end of the third quarter, handing the Sixers just four free points to cut it to three. But uh, that, that's just another instance. Um, but that game, just looking, it was... It was another case of when the Celts had yet another lackluster performance on the glass. I know statistically there have been improvements, at least in contrast to the rest of the league. I, I know a lot of the beat guys have been tweeting it out, but I, I still, from what I see fundamentally, they're just, I mean, in my eyes, on the eye test alone, I, I just still see a lot of fundamental issues when watching, and I thought the Philly game really showed that. It's, I should have alluded that to that with Bob, but of course I didn't want to bring go into detail too much because I know he skipped last Sunday's game to watch the NCAA tournament. But I just know I would have gotten the ever-entertaining Paul Silas reference out of him, which he's always good for whenever he's here. But anyways, going back to the Celts um, in that game, as bad as they were on the glass against Philly. Pun completely intended on this one. They rebounded in the rebounding department against Washington. That won the game back on Monday. Biggest win, I would say, under the Brad Stevens era uh, was was Monday. And, you know, I've noticed maybe it's just... uh, For me, I've noticed a trend in that the Celts, when they seemingly, when they get embarrassed a bit in just some sort of aspect of the game, they actually really seem to rededicate themselves at least for a game or two. Uh, particularly the following game. I mean, another example I can reference is after the second game of the year when the Bulls killed them on the boards. And Boston did very well on the glass the following game in a win in Charlotte. So I don't know it's whether Brad Stevens motivating the boys or the boys motivating the boys. I don't know. But this, uh, for me, it certainly looks like a trend and uh, that the Celtics are just able to rebound and, or bounce back, if you will. But you know, like I said, under Stevens, there there have been no real long losing streaks. The they, the Celtics have never really gone on on you know nothing's have never gotten out of control when there were points and times where it looked like it could have gotten out of control. Uh, you know, albeit also too, there's been no long winning streaks. Turn back the clock to January twenty second, two thousand fifteen. The this is a somewhat watershed date for the Celtics. They they won a game in Portland on an Evan Turner buzzer beater. It was the first time the Celtics won a road game against the Western Conference team under Brad Stevens, it actually took a year and a half for that to happen. January 22nd, 2015. From that point on, you know, the Celts, they went on that run to make the playoffs that year, and they seemingly built upon it ever since, but they they had one five-game winning streak in 2015, but nothing longer than that. The next year, they had two five-game winning streaks, no more. Uh, This year, there's only been one five-game, only one, oh no, but only one five-game winning streak. Which was a seven-gamer, actually, this year, right before the All-Star break. Uh, but then, in turn, they just, like I said, they don't go on long losing streaks either. Uh, since the turnaround under Brad Stevens back in mid-January, uh, and only in January or early January of 2016, there was a, lo- a losing streak of four games. That's it. 
And uh, I'm actually going to conveniently gloss over the, the playoff sweep against Cleveland. Sorry. And then twice this year, there, was, there have been a three-game losing streaks. So, I don't know, I felt just plugging those caveats was necessary to end the show, especially to those who we may kind of look well, way, way, way ahead now to the April 5th showdown in Boston against Cleveland. That very well looks like that could decide who gets home court advantage throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs. It's kind of surreal to say, as really it is. Write a review for Celtic Speed on iTunes to win tickets to that one. Can't really inflate that game enough, but a lot of us actually are, I'm going to confess that, you know, I'm kind of shooing in the Celtics to win out up until that game. This could be the tricky one tonight with how well Miami is playing, but, you know, Miami tonight, Milwaukee at home Wednesday, Orlando Friday, and then the Knicks. Talk about mailing it in for the rest of the year. I know it's a road game, but the Knicks a week from today down at Madison Square for an, an afternoon matinee, but uh, hopefully that is the case, right? The Celtics uh, do carry the longest win streak under Coach Stevens into that game. I believe it would be an eight-gamer uh, if that if they do win out, or seven, whatever. It would be the longest winning streak, whatever it may be. The game of all time, April 5th. Until the next time they play the Cavs, right? Just a few weeks after that, we hope. We can only hope. Episode, like, 211-ish or, or so. Be here. Be square. But, uh, you know, for episode number 202 today, we thank Bob Ryan for joining us, as well as those who listen. We thank you ever so more. Thank you so much for downloading today's show. One more time, please write us a review on iTunes for free entry to win a pair of tickets for the Cleveland game on 4-5. show today was presented by SeatGeek. Use promo code CELTICSPEED for a $20 rebate on your first purchase. Today's music was provided by Chuck Beats and Steph Grateau For staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Justin Poulin, founder of the network Nick Gelso, I am Larry A. Trussell. See everyone here next Sunday for another edition of the number one podcast on iTunes dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise.